0: Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome folks to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor and today I'm joined by Ben Markovitz, who is the founder and CEO of the Rise Institute. Ben, how's it going today? I'm I'm
1: doing great. I'm sitting on a bathroom floor as we discussed, but you know, I couldn't feel better sitting on a bathroom floor.
0: Well, it's perfect. You know, we were talking about uh, the well, the confluence of people and talent in this age. And mm. what I don't think people fully grasp is the impact that covid and really work from home and all of that stuff, how it air quotes trickle down to be able to impact Talent, people, humanity, and all of that. And I think that leaders would be best served by really understanding all of those forces at play. But nobody cares what I think. What do you think about that? And tell our listeners about who you are, what you do, and why it relates to everything we're talking about so far.
1: Thanks. Yeah. So uh, my name is Ben Markovitz and I um, uh, started actually in uh, public education. I was a founder of a small school district, was a high school principal and trainer of principals and got into coaching outside that field. Uh, honestly, just through happenstance, we were running a bunch of schools that were very good at growing kids who are very far behind. We expanded those schools And sort of had to do the same thing with adults. We were expanding so fast. We had to get very good at growing teachers who were very far behind. And we used some of the same techniques uh, that we had uh, discovered with our kids to help grow those adults. Then some folks wanted to know how to do that in other sectors, the way we were doing it in ours. And I grew into an executive coach and consultant on talent and HR, and uh, now uh, run this uh, little organization that's... uh, Trying to help sort of foster leadership in those who are hoping to achieve radical growth uh in their in their people, sometimes uh, you know, just in their personal lives, but often in in large companies and growing companies.
0: Awesome. I love that. One of the things, so we facilitate strategic planning sessions and we really incorporate the the human nature of it. So instead of just checking the box, we try to teach. And so bridging that line between pedagogy and andragogy, which I'm pretty sure is the technical term. So (laughs) as you look to elevate that talent, if it's not naturally there, what are one or two or three guiding principles that you've maybe borrowed from pedagogy to support layering concepts, uh, increasing retention, and ultimately driving outcomes with your people?
1: yeah, I mean, it's 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 my favorite question. thank you. i i um, I think the most important thing that I have to offer folks who are uh, really trying to develop their talent does, in fact, come from seeing pretty remarkable things happen in classrooms where nobody expected much to happen at all, unfortunately. And so having kind of a lens as I did, across a number of urban schools uh, nationally for the last you know, 20 years or so and seeing real standout teachers who, of course, you know, don't have the option to terminate anybody in their classroom, uh, don't have the ability to put people on performance improvement plans, just have to actually grow the people who uh, are assigned to their room. And the people who actually succeed in doing that do a remarkable number of things the same. And I think the biggest is that they set the expectations for success before they even grow the success. Mm. So um, we uh, refer to this in our group as uh, performance follows identity. This is just sort of a concept, uh, again, coming from teaching that students who get Ds too often think they are D students. And we usually respond to that by saying, here's what you need to do to get an A. And that sometimes works over a long period of time. But uh, usually it puts the student in a vicious cycle. You know, the students saying to themselves, I get D's and therefore I'm a D student. And what we ask folks to do actually is to change the statement to, I get D's, but I'm an A student. That doesn't make any sense, Mm. Uh, which creates more curiosity, motivation, confidence, uh, and actually a great deal of uh, really good, strong clinical planning. And so the the vicious cycle, so to speak, can become a virtuous one when leaders make that happen. So a teacher ought to say to that kid, you're an A student, we both know that, so how can we start showing that here? And then kind of locking into that identity, Helps people actually plan out their process for performance improvement, uh, and this goes right into you know anybody working with somebody on their team who's not experiencing success. Going up to somebody who is often late uh, but shows up on time one day and says, "Yes, I thought you're a very very on time person, and I haven't seen that enough." Here you go, or you are somebody who frequently interrupts folks in meetings, and noticing that person's got a real strength inside like their passion for speaking and so on, uh, to say like it's very clear to me that you're like a Deeply passionate person. And that's only causing one problem for you right now. And that's interrupting people. And mean, to fix that right down to major performance improvements. So if somebody's actually like really falling behind in their training or in their learning, saying like, that surprises me about you rather than what's going on here, that your expectation clarity is in the positive. Uh, and folks want to live up to that rather than just feel like they've lost your approval forever and can only go down.
0: That. I'm like blown away by that. And it's kind of simple, but obvious it's actually not simple. Actually, I'm (laughs) going to say it's not simple, but it's one of those things that you're contextually setting for somebody to reframe how they think about themselves. And uh, Tony Robbins and his NLP talks a lot about that in reframing something at where it is no longer acceptable. So you're actually creating a non-acceptable environment for that person's kind of future standard. And I think it's just so cool, but man, it's an art to do that because you have to show up to that conversation, not looking to somebody like rip somebody a new one, but really like see them as the future self that they can be or that you want them to be, even if they're not there now. And you got to be patient with that, I think, as well.
1: Yeah, I think, well, I think that's right. And I think the biggest struggle we see in folks who are trying to do this is honestly their own emotional blocks to doing it. And this is a feeling that we all get, you know, somebody we're leading, uh, particularly that person is an adult and especially an experienced one uh, should just know better. And if they don't know better, we're sort of angry at them for that. And I think probably the biggest obstacle I see for anybody I'm working with is that the minute somebody starts to need performance improvement, their first step is to just be disgusted with that person. And once you're disgusted with that person, it's very hard to do exactly what they need, which is to make sure they know your approval is still accessible to them. Because the minute they think that it's not, they will go seek it elsewhere. And this is how you start seeing a lot of kind of eye rolls between peers across the meeting that you're running, folks sort of uh, trash talking you on the way to the parking lot. Uh, As a boss, this is where things really start to go downhill because everybody, I mean, I really believe it everybody would prefer to have your approval, but if they know they're not going to get it, they go seek it elsewhere and usually against you. So actually the best thing you can do to somebody in that situation is to let them know the one thing they did that was right today that way, you've completely, uh, you know, abolished their ability to make a case for your non-approval, and they will start to think, okay, what else can I went on? Or maybe it's still possible for me to get the approval by doing better at my daily, uh, my actual job. So I think the. The thing that a great teacher would do in a classroom that's slipping is immediately note everything that's going right in the room, and each kid gets a little bit more curious about what else they can do that will get that kind of positive reinforcement. We just uh, have the luxury as adults not to do that with each other, and so we don't, Uh, but it would
0: be immensely helpful if we did that's that's awesome so every i recommend whatever i don't know how far we are into this episode rewind listen, and everything there's like so much gold there and one of the things that we didn't mention is why you're sitting on the bathroom floor is because three kids are in your house and it's a loud place to be and i i was watching tiktok is where i get most of my news and as you know parenting tiktok or whatever is uh, you know if a kid scores a goal playing soccer don't celebrate the goal, ask them, hey, what led to, what positive things led to that outcome? So you can actually formatively have them retrace the steps that took, not the outcome. And it sounds like that's resonating with you as well. Thoughts on that? Very much, very much. Yeah, I think,
1: you know, none of this thinking is possible without that work that's primarily, you know, well-known through Carol Dweck at Stanford talking about fixed versus growth mindset, which is to say kids learn a lot more from knowing how their effort was involved than uh, their ability. And whether or not, you know, uh, kids grow more, uh, kids do more because of their abilities or because of their effort. We know that they do more and they grow more because of their belief in their effort, not their belief in their ability. So, uh, every time you can notice what a kid did to be successful, then you're actually helping them out by making them more growthy, so to speak. And I think that's, uh, of course true with adults also.
0: Hey, sorry to interrupt. It's Anthony here again. I just wanted to let you know if you're enjoying today's episode, I'd love it if you could give us a review and a comment to let us know where you're listening from. It means a lot to us. It helps us with the algorithm. It also helps us get into the hands of more people so that we can keep bringing great guests onto the show. So please do that. Also, if you or your team are planning a strategic planning offsite coming up, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to see if we're a fit to facilitate to support you and your team getting on the same page and getting clear about where you want to go. So you can visit smestrategy.net or click the link in the description. We'd appreciate both of those things. Now get us back to the episode. Well, that's why I was wondering what growth E is in your LinkedIn. So everybody (laughs) connect with Ben on LinkedIn, but as we were talking kind of halfway through the conversation, I was like, man, it wouldn't, wouldn't life be easier if you were managing kids because kids <laughs> have a growth mindset. Whereas I found adults have a fixed mindset and man, to get them to do something else differently. It, it, you know, it's like, uh, I don't want to say pulling teeth or whatever you want to call it. It's a lot harder because kids are willing to coach and listen versus, Hey, I am this way. And the only reason you got that way is basically how you became a kid and you just cemented versus kids haven't had a, much time to, I don't know, get screwed up. Yeah. Thoughts on that?
1: No, I think you've explained it well. I I don't know of a single kid who walks into uh, the world with a fixed mindset. Uh, You know, maybe they're out there, but I can't imagine it. And it is definitely something that the adult world drills into them. And it's because adults don't really know a lot better, uh, right? Like, If you're a teacher who is struggling and if you're a parent who is struggling, uh, no matter how much you love that child in front of you, it helps you to kind of deal with the deep dissonance you feel when you screw up to know that some things your kid maybe just can't do. Or some things this group of kids in front of you maybe just can't do. Uh, It makes it a little easier for us to get up as teachers in the morning the next morning if we're not chastising ourselves 24 hours a day for how terribly we're doing. And we're often doing terribly, let's be honest. So it is very, very hard to kind of keep your will as somebody who spends a lot of time around kids without showing the kids what a fixed mindset looks like um, and exposing them to it more and more. Now that is to say, you know, there are many folks who have luxuries not to do that. Many folks who have built tons of skill, you you know, just a real steel mind not to do that. And that's actually, those are the people that I'm drawing some of these techniques from that, that we talk about with folks. I do think it's really important to recognize though, these are techniques you can put into your calendar. Like this is not something that requires you to do a ton of mental self discipline. So if you are in fact disgusted by everybody who's underperforming on your team, that's reasonable. It's okay. It's all right. You're not a bad person. Uh, that is a natural reaction to, I think, our own fear of failure. What I think is useful to do is to honestly set 20 minutes on your calendar every week and just review the names of those people and ask yourself, is there anything they did this week that is worth recognizing? And just say, I will not spend more than 45 seconds sending an email for every single time I say yes to that question. And you'll be done in 12 to 15 minutes. And the responses you will get back from those emails will evince life-changing experiences these people had from reading your 45-second email. And you watch those people the next time you give them coaching or tough feedback, they will be far more responsive. And more importantly, they will probably try to anticipate your feedback because now they know what it feels like to get approval from you, and they will want more and more of it. This all sounds like a little bit like Machiavellian. I, I think I'm mostly just saying that because... I think it comes instinctively to people who really understand growth, and it comes out of a deep sense of care and empathy for people and how hard it is to grow. But for folks who do get easily sidetracked by very stressful jobs, it can help to make it into a discipline because it's actually not that time consuming when you do.
0: Yeah, there's so much stuff. So a couple steps back, uh, people, I believe people develop a fixed mindset or don't risk screwing up because they have that fear of looking bad. So that disappointment, but also the other thing, whereas kids don't worry about an audience or perception or fear of what other people think. The rolling back into feedback uh, is critical because that's a, a communication structure, fostering values and behaviors, which is all the formative stuff, too. And then I thought about this and then I thought that probably not our audience, but I'm sure everybody else was saying, like, I already know that. So if you at any point are reacting to this saying, I already know that or I already do that, consider that's your fixed mindset talking, saying, hey, there's actually probably something that you can learn from this to improve it. And it'll take you 15 minutes and the results will pay huge dividends. So no, I think that's really powerful. I think the
1: the the experience can be tracked back to ourselves. And I think that's important, too, to like recognize that this, you know, if you think about it, this is what motivates you. If you think back to any time you learn something for the first time, like if you learned how to, you know, ride a bike and you probably experienced a fair amount of struggle at the beginning, riding a two-wheeler, for example, but you probably also experienced some limited success, right? You would feel a moment where you were balanced uh, right before you fell off or a moment where you picked up speed right before you slowed down. And those little moments of success are crucial because that's what made your brain sort of understand you could actually ride a bike. And the minute you realized that you could be successful at it, you tried harder and you did more until you were eventually riding it uh, you know, uh, much more organically. So noticing your own little moments of success allows you to build a belief in yourself, which then raises your motivation, which then typically creates more moments of success and the cycle repeats itself. We can remember those moments for ourselves as learners. What we can often forget is that we can create those moments for people who aren't having them as learners. And so if you are watching somebody struggle and they're about to really get exasperated, uh, let's say they're working with a client and that client has uh, you know, sort of rejected every new uh, pitch the company's thrown at them. And this person is like trying and trying and trying you might actually benefit from get, asking that person to kind of peek in on their Zoom or take a look at their meeting and notice something they can do that they are in fact doing well, tell them that's going well, and then give them something new to do next time, which then cements that in fact, when I learned something, I did it well and things went better, you've started a whole new cycle for them. And whereas their cycle was you know veering out of control very quickly before, um, you have an opportunity to really reverse its track if we take that responsibility again it's it's time out of our days but just really not that much and I you know, urge everybody to remember the time out of your day it takes to replace somebody or to put somebody on a performance improvement plan or to honestly not do either of those things, but just kind of like, you know, bang your head against the wall every day, wishing that this person wasn't causing you so much stress. Maybe that's why you're on
0: the floor of the bathroom. So you have something <laughs> harder to, to bang your head against. Uh, but I mean, as a leader, that is the stuff you're supposed to be doing. So when we look at time spent as a senior leader, what are the highest value activity in building your people up? couple of thoughts I have uh, on that was, you know, finding that positive and then scaffolding on top of that. So actually being able to do that when we do strategic planning, we start every strategic planning session with a celebrate because otherwise it's so easy to just go down. But if you say we're doing all of this stuff, great, let's build on that. And then we were doing a session the other day, which is like, I am bad at setting KPIs. And I'm like, who told you that? Like no one ever told you that you just told yourself that, and you've wired that into your brain. So you're going to show up. And I do it to myself doing a construction project with my father-in-law. It's like, I am bad at this. No, I'm not bad at it. I've just never done it before. So why would I be expected to be good at it relative to somebody with 30 years experience? But that's the distorted lens that we look at when we review people, behavior, action, and we just send ourselves into a spiral. That's
1: absolutely right. And I think what um, I think the the next move, people often get stuck there, too, is just like, OK, well, I, I recognize we did some celebrating. Shouldn't that give us momentum? But what you talked about that I think is really critical is that you touched on identity. And when somebody has an identity, that they're not good at something. Uh, it's actually quite important to go there first and say, like, well, I don't know. Do you is is that really something you can't do? Uh, And if you know nothing about it as a leader, you can ask them, but you can also look for demonstrations of it. So if somebody is, uh, you know, terrible at setting KPIs uh, or they believe they're terrible at setting KPIs and you say, well, I'm not exactly sure what made you think that, but we're going to do some of that today. So let's take a look. And then the minute they do anything correct in that process to note, oh, that was great. Thank you. Nice job. Um, You've completely changed their identity, (laughs) right? So they can no longer say, that's not me. Um, Now, there's still a ways to go, but it is recognize what a dramatic improvement it is to go from I can't ride a bike to I can ride a bike. I just haven't learned yet. And I think the reality is that we don't think we're capable of doing that for for grownups most of the time. Teachers think they're capable of doing it for kids, but we don't think we're capable of doing that for grownups, or we don't think it's our job or it makes us uncomfortable and so on. All that's fine. But I think what is most important for people to understand is that if you're going to decide to try to do that, it does not take that much time. It does take sort of setting aside the time. And it
0: does take sort of knowing and admitting that you have to do it. Awesome. I, I, I couldn't have said it by myself and that's why you're here. And that's what's <laughs> great. So no, I really appreciate that. And I think that f- for all of us listening for you, the listener is, you know, do it once. In fact, you might be saying, well, I can't do that. Uh, have you tried doing that? So, you know, <laughs> reverse uh, ninja yourself in here and and see, hey, how can you apply these tools incrementally? Say, hey, uh, if, if you don't think you're good at giving feedback, well, try doing feedback one time. So re-listen to this episode as one thing. I know you can do that. And, uh, you know, I just encourage you to, to take. Everything Ben has said, because it's it there's all so much gold in here that will impact not only your work. And this is what I'm so big about doing this podcast and inviting people like Ben on here is like we're not here just for your work. Like you're a human being. This is going to improve your relationships with your friends, with your spouse, with your kids, with your family, with your community. Like you are going to be a leader outside in the world and you can change the context of everything around you when you bring a a growth mindset to it, but actually genuinely help people grow and elevate. And I think that there's just, again, been so much good stuff in what you're sharing.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. The piece around uh, your life entire, particularly true, of course, with your own children. Uh, And like I said, mine are about to flood this space very soon. The the major breakthrough so far is my my three-year-old Max has had like a lot of struggle with um, sharing. And I've recently just started when he's around his friends, which has not been much in his life because he's been quarantined for most of his life. um, When he's around his friends, and I know there's potential for little wars to break out over sharing things, I start telling his friends what a great sharer he is. And he is sort of admiring himself through my eyes when he does this. <laughs> and I have so far computed that he is about 80% more likely to share voluntarily uh, when I have made this move. Now, I don't have full data across every moment he's had an opportunity to share, but this seems to be working on three roles as well.
0: Yeah, I love
1: that. You, it's,
0: <laughs> it, it's coming full circle, right? <laughs> right? Kids, adults, and back to kids. Uh, ben, where can people uh, learn more about what you do? Where can they uh, become more growthy?
1: Yeah. uh, So the Google works and uh, just, you know, got to spell my name right, which is Ben Markovitz. And Markovitz is with a C and a V. And I have a benmarkovitz.com. Probably coolest place to start there is I have a little um, survey on there that helps you kind of analyze whether you are a leader who is already sort of got what it takes to do this growth work with your staff, or whether you're going to have to learn a couple of very specific tricks to get moving. And we'll, of
0: course, give you those tricks if that's where you are. Perfect. And folks, tricks aren't just for kids. So please uh, use those. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. well done. I like it. Ben, Ben, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It's been a blast. I learned a lot and and I think our listeners did too. So I appreciate it a lot.
1: Thanks for the opportunity, Anthony.
0: Absolutely. Folks, my guest today, Ben Markovitz, who is the founder and CEO of the Rides Institute. Again, the stuff that we talked about today can genuinely not even change your life change the lives of people around you and how they see themselves and so my challenge to you is approach uh, this information with that much power and so please listen to the episode share it with somebody you care about share it with your spouse have a conversation and just enjoy it so thanks for listening my name is anthony taylor this has been the strategy and leadership podcast i appreciate you watching i appreciate you listening and i'll see you next time thanks so much for listening to today's episode Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that will help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it, it'll help your team think more strategically, and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. If you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course on top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community course is only 495 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus you can use the code podcast for hundred dollars off course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course, use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.